This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your presence. I ask by the power of your spirit to grant utterance. I speak as your oracle. Your word goes forth unhindered by any demonic force, and our hearts are established in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may all be seated, please. All right, this um, evening I want to continue on our discourse we started last week, and we're talking about yielding, and basically what I want to speak about are the three principles upon which our Christian, authentic Christian experience or experiences are built. Now, this doesn't mean that everything a Christian experience says is a Christian experience. I meant what I'm saying. It's not everything a Christian experience is that is supposed to be a Christian experience. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. So when I say the three principles upon which the Christian experience is built, is the three principles upon which, all right, God wants to, or how God expresses himself in our lives to create the experiences that he has promised us. Romans chapter 6, and let's start reading from verse 2. Romans 6 and verse 2. Or from, let's start from verse 1, rather. Let's just start from verse 1. All right, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, what do I mean by a Christian can experience something, but that is not supposed to be, that's not what you call a Christian experience. In other words, in Romans 7, when Paul was struggling, that was his experience, But that is not what God wanted him to experience. So in Romans 6, 1, it says, how shall we continue, all right, in sin and grace, shall we continue in sin and grace may abound? And then Paul said, God forbid, how shall we that are dead unto sin live any longer therein? And then in verse 3, he started out by attacking that thought. And saying, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into his death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also should work in the newness of life which is the Christian experience. So he said, know ye not. And then when he got to verse 5, he says, having been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Then he said, knowing this, use that word knowing again, that our old man has been crucified with him, that the body of sin might be rendered inoperative, that we shall henceforth not have sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Then he says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. And then he used that word again, knowing that. In other words, there are things that you must know. Nothing can benefit you in your Christian experience if you don't know about the provision of God for that particular thing. It's like saying that a father or mother left wealth for the children, but the parents had the wealth stored in 30 accounts. Now, if the child has only found out or only knows about two accounts, their expectation will be based on what is within those two accounts. The projections that they will, be made, they will make will be based on the resources that is in those two accounts. 
But if they come to know about the 28 other accounts, then uh, that causes an expansion now and a total change in the expectation because they know that they have access to greater resources. So the thought in Romans chapter 6 was, we have struggled with sin that I experienced, and we have been repeatedly defeated. So you know what? Can we just continue in this thing that the grace of God may abound? Because what they knew about prior to that time from Romans 3 to Romans 5, Romans 5 was that Jesus shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. So they are saying, and now that, all right, God has forgiven sins, all right, shall we then, you know, continuing this thing, that that grace of forgiveness, uh, you know, Jesus said we should forgive 70 times, seven times, he also should do it for me. You get what I'm saying? Now? Hmm? The high to 490 times have not exhausted the grace. Let me choose sin 490 times so he can be forgiven me and showing that he's a person of compassion. He said, listen, there are other accounts you don't know anything about. So he began to give him knowledge of those other things. So there's a principle first. The three principles is you cannot receive into your life what you don't know about. So we can talk about a vast inheritance or an unsearchable riches that we have in Christ. But until you come into a detailed knowledge of what is available, you cannot in any way appropriate or receive it into your life. So the spirit of truth that's the Holy Spirit, wants to guide you into all truth. In other words, he wants you to know for every situation the provision that God has made for that particular situation. So for every situation, there's a provision that God has made and therefore he wants you to know about that particular provision there. So it's knowledge. Then the second principle, now get to it, that the Bible says, all right, in verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, which meant knowing again, that he dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Then the next principle now says, likewise, reckon yourselves dead. So the first thing is that God has made provision, all right, for every situation. Now, it's our responsibility to apply to that situation the provision that God has made. In other words, somebody asked Reinhard Bonke once, he said, if Jesus Christ has died for the sins of the entire world and we have been cleansed from the sins there, then how come people are still living this way? And what Reinhard Bonke said was that if you go into the supermarket and you have all the detergents that is there and you see people there with clothes that are dirty, all right, it's because they haven't applied what is available to their clothes. In other words, God has made it available now in Christ. What he wants is people to apply it. I say, well, how come people are suffering in poverty? Why isn't God doing anything about it? Ask his children that have access to his presence and he can bless those people with an abundance and those people can use the abundance to go and help the people out there and change their lives. Are you following what I'm saying here? The problem is that the people don't know that God has chosen to use them to change things on the outside while they're waiting. So it's God, he has all the resources there, all right, for that particular thing. Oh, why are they still sick people? Because his people are not laying hands on them. 
Are you following what I'm saying? All right? So God has made a provision there. All right? So we've got to understand it. So first thing you must understand is this. I mean, any situation in life, all right, it's not about me cooking up something. Now, that's the first thing you must do. It's not about you cooking up something. It is about you knowing what God has cooked. With every temptation, there is a way of what? Escape. Now, it's not about your own idea. It is about God's provision for that thing. If you don't know his provision, then we can go to the next step, which is to reckon, we see that, to be so. You must know his provision there. All right? I mean, he said this in Ezekiel chapter 13 and verse 2. He speaks about this. He says, look, about prophets that speak. Son of man prophesy against boy of Israel that prophesy and say, all right, unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus say the Lord, all right, woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. In other words, all right, you can say things, but prophecy is not about saying things. Prophecy is, first of all, about seeing. Uh, what God told Mary, or what um, 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 Mary said, was that, uh, all right, it says, when Mary said, it shall be unto me according to that which was spoken. God is able to perform, Abraham believed, that which he has promised. So the first law is about knowing what God has provided. You see, the fall of man in the garden, the sin of man, the real sin of man, was that man wanted to be. He says, if you eat this fruit, all right, you will be wise and you will be as God. In other words, you can live independent of God because you are going to have wisdom and you are going to have knowledge. So the real sin was that man attempted to get into a place where he will be independent of God and have the wisdom to handle things without God. That was the real sin of man. So the first thing is about knowing this, which means what has God provided? Look, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be you know, wasting our time. I'm telling people this. Just, People just be wasting their time. And I don't have time again to waste. Hmm? I don't have time to waste. All right? People just be, that's why, that's why, well, let me just leave it here. But well, people were prophesying, prophesying, election, prophesying up and down. I told a friend of mine, Pastor, I said, not one of those prophecies will come to pass. He said, Pastor, can you say this? How can you say this? You're not even a Christian. You're, you're talking like a non-believer. I said, if one, if one happens, one. One, one, yeah, yeah, come, show, show. Won't happen. I don't want one like this. They prophesy. It won't happen. I say, how do you know? I can't tell you. I say, I say, it won't happen. Ah, Kenneth Hagin, the fa fa father of modern day faith, said, under no occasion whatsoever does God give prophecies concerning elections. He said, if God gives prophecies concerning elections, God could as well have gone to prophesy about betting. He said it. He's on record. Now the faith of Christians are now, weak people are now jeopardized. Are you following what I'm saying? You consider the weak people that think like this. They will now say, what is Christianity about? Everything will disappear because that's what they believed. All right? You can't say something. What did you see that is making you say? That's the first thing. It's not based on what I say. It, look, if, if you come out and say that I think this person or I want this person, is different. But when you come out and say, thus said the Lord, you know why in the Old Testament they used to say stone a person who prophesies and doesn't come to stone them to death? Because of the damage it does to people. I am telling you that there are Christians today that when they open, they're not just saying it, to pray. They don't believe that God, inside them, their faith has been damaged, all right, and it will take years for them to recover. And people are not talking though, but inside people's hearts, it will take them years to recover. Because there's some things that, I mean, before you say something, first of all, go and find out 
what God in heaven is saying. So he starts out with, know this first. All right? So he starts with knowledge. If you, it doesn't start with affirmations. It doesn't start with confessions. It doesn't start with, uh, uh, and, and you know, what, I, mean, I heard Derek Prince say this today. He said, look, he said, what is worldliness? Worldliness is the refusal to accept the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life, full stop. In other words, what's the lordship of Jesus Christ? Lordship of Jesus Christ is, God, what are you saying to me in this situation I should do? Whatever you say, I am going to do it. Anything outside of that is worldliness. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, if I desire something that, that differs from what God has said, I crucify my flesh, all right, which is painful, or else in future, you will see the consequence of not crucifying your flesh, and it will be too late then. He said he was preaching and told a lady who was dating somebody who wasn't a Christian guy who just come to church and was deceiving her. This was in the, in the, in the 70s. He said he told her, look, this guy is deceiving you. He's just coming to this place so that he can marry you. And you will realize later on that, all right, she said, I'm in love with him. He said, it is better to crucify that love now. Or else, in future, what you have to crucify will be bigger than this love. And this crucifixion of this love will just take some time. She refused. She went with the guy. After three children, the guy found somebody else, left her with the, with the three children, and went away with some people, and she was in that situation for the rest of her life. All right? The person that was right in front of her, in front of him there, said the exact thing happened to me, and I am with six children. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, my teacher, I'm being there. When God speaks to you as a person, and Jesus says, do this, it's not for his own benefit, it's for your own what? Benefit. And you might need to crucify, because what it tells you to do, you prefer something else. So it starts with knowing. All right, so the basis is of this here, all right, is that Christ has done. So if you are confronted with anything in life, first thing, therefore, you must do is you must start worshiping and thanking God because he has made the provision for it. Are you following what I'm saying here? Now, I want to get that. And the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into that provision. So the first thing you do is you lift up your hand and start thanking God and worshiping him, all right, for the provision because he has given you unsearchable riches and he has given you those riches in abundant, all right, measure. So the first thing is I want to come to know what Christ has done about this particular thing. And then once I come to know about what he has done, then the second thing is I will reckon on it. So if I get a reckon in here, Christ has therefore done his part, and we have to simply add our own in order for there to be the experience. As is not our own part that we add, is not done by us, but it is done by the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us. In other words, Christ has done his part and made the provision available, and then he has sent his spirit into the earth to cause the provision that he has made available for us to benefit from that provision. So the Holy Spirit, and not you, is the executor of the will of God in you. Let me repeat. You are not the one who executes it. It is the Holy Spirit that executes it. He is the one that is in you that causes you both to will and also to do what? To do of his good pleasure. In the execution of that will there, 
that as you are carrying it out, most of the time, you may not even be aware that you're actually making a strategic move. Do, do you get what I'm saying here? That the Holy Spirit just influences you to do certain things, but you may just not even know that it's a strategic. It will be like the four lepers who just sat down and thought among themselves and said, listen, what, what should we do? All right, you know, okay, if we go here, we die. If we stay here, we die. If we go, we may die, we may not die. If we stay, we die. So 50, they didn't know it was God influencing them. Are you following what I'm saying? And God does it that way so you don't take the glory. Because there are many people that they, they will take the glory in that I had God. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. I, God just spoke to me, opened my ears. You know, I start sounding deep. And, and by the time they say all those things, it will sound like, all right, that they are more spiritual than other people. Uh, are you following what I'm saying? Uh, someone asked Bishop T.J. said, how do you get out? They said, I stumbled into it. They said, I said, I stumbled. He said, because I did all I knew to do, and I was doing it for seven years, and the church was 35. He said, then I, I went and I preached somewhere, and what just happened was that uh, Bishop Carl Pearson decided to put it on television. He said, it just so happened, it just so happened, that at the party, he, he said four of us came to preach there. He caught seven minutes of everybody's message and put it on. He said, it just so happened that Paul Crouch was going past, all right, to pick up something in the fridge at the time on TBN when um, Carl Pearson put it on. And that at that time was when he was playing his own seven minutes and he said something that connected that Paul Crouch who had been struggling with believing God for it and that was the word from heaven. He just turned around and looked. He said, who is this man? And then he called Carl Pearson. He said, who is this man? He said, it's Bishop J. He said, the world needs to hear this man. Get him on my network. He said, can I orchestrate that Carlton Pearson should play it? That's why when Moses came down from the mountain, he didn't know that his own face was radiating. Because if you are conscious of it, you'll take the glory. Are you following what I'm saying here? So it's the Spirit of God inside us that actually executes that thing. Now I'm sure how it's done. And that's why the Galatian era was, having begun in the Spirit, in the spirit you're now trying to perfect it in the flesh. All right? So it starts in the spirit. It is perfected in us by the spirit of God. So we cannot fall into the error of the Galatians, which is, having begun in the spirit, we seek perfection in the flesh through self-effort. Like we said last week, it's not in your trying, it's in your yielding. And I'll explain this. So it's not by power or by mind, but by the Spirit of God. So how do I do my own part? The first thing is this. You have got to know what God has provided for that situation. Then the second is the principle of faith, which is reckoning, we'll say that, that which he has shown you to be true in your life, even though, if you look at it as per appearance, it doesn't look all right like it will happen, which means that it doesn't look so. So you are reckoning something to be true, but when you look on the outside you know, of yourself, it doesn't look that way. Then the third principle is the principle of time, where you yield to the Spirit of God, and with time, the Holy Ghost works into your character and into your life the very things that you are reckoning. So I begin to call it as so and done now. And then once I yield, and I explain what I mean by that, the Holy Spirit over the process of time now starts working into my character and into my life, all right, the very things that I am reckoning. So that takes time because he's working it gradually now into my life. So first things first, I go to God. I offer my prayer unto him, said several times, 
concerning a situation. What have you, what are you saying to me about this particular thing? I am under your lordship. Bear it unto me according to your word. I know, all right, it is better to take your offer than to create my own will. Because your own offer is not just good, all right, the Bible says that it's not just acceptable, I will find it acceptable, I will find it good, and I will find it to be perfect. What I will discover is that it will exceed in abundant measure anything that I could ask or I could conceive. Submission to the Lordship of Jesus is the key to revelation. Let me repeat that a person surrenders to Jesus Christ. And you open up your heart to Jesus and surrender to him, that is the key to revelation. If I haven't surrendered, which means I am not willing to hear some things, then I won't hear anything. Jesus said, as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. This is why he said to. He said, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father, which is in heaven. Which means the key to hearing right is that you have put God's will above your own will. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, let me say, if you want to hear the country you should go to, you must be willing to hear Nigeria. All this long story I'm saying, that's what I'm trying to tell you now. If you are not willing to hear Nigeria, you won't hear God. That God, there are only five countries you can call. You see, though, even though I'm coming with prayer, only five. United Kingdom. God, are you here? Canada. United States of America. Uh-huh. This or that to Australia, I can manage. Australia. Oh. <laughs> you don't know their language, huh? Oh, you're like, God, let's just say New Zealand. Any of these five, but anything <laughs> that is outside these five, I'm not willing to hear. Let me tell you, you will hear a whisper. Atlanta, that's what you hear. Because that's what you want to do, what? Yeah. Uh, are you following what I'm saying? Okay. But if God shows you now, this is Atlanta, the house you'll be living in, you'll be hustling in the hood. Ten years' time, you own a mansion in Banana in Lagos, and you have a private jet. Choose. Ah. You say, let, let us do what? So what you are after is not Atlanta. What you are after is comfort. Are you following? That's what. Do you know what you are after? <laughs> so by saying it's Atlanta, you are telling God you cannot provide it in Africa. Ah. Isn't that what they said? You can't furnish a table in the what? Wilderness. If you are not happy at what I'm saying, that means God has already told you what I'm saying. <laughs> and what I'm telling you is a confirmation. That's why you are sad that God told me in prayer, this is the confirmation. It shouldn't affect you at all if God has spoken to you otherwise. <laughs> this way. The word of the Lord came to the prophet. Look not on their faces. Say. <laughs> I was in a church. I could not believe it. I went for a youth program. 
So I think the people thought that the minister wanted to prophesy or something or pray for visa. So he said, how many of you here want to, are planning to relocate? So they thought, even the cameraman left the camera. <laughs> <laughs> there was not one person. I'm, this is what I'm saying. No. There were about 1,200 people there. One person was not left. The camera person, when they were, so it was, <laughs> was like, ah, about me, I can't miss camera. Let's calm down. He now said, so you see, ah, they said, so this one you came to see. <laughs> so the third is the principle, all right, of um, time. All right, so one, God gives knowledge. So they said, I want to talk about two. The second is you start reckoning it to be so. Now, to reckon simply means, it's an old English word, means to regard something as being true in your life, even though it is not yet apparent. Are you following what I'm saying here? Yes, uh, what's that um, Sinat song? That's her first song. Uh, I know who I am. What, then it, she says something. Huh? Um, it doesn't matter what I... No, that's what I, I've said the first part. Why are you confusing me? It doesn't matter what I look now. Abi? Uh, it doesn't matter what you see now. Then what's it? Uh-huh. I know who I am. So it means it doesn't matter what you see now. All right? Now, in the spirit realm, nothing improves, nothing changes. What is is and forever will be. It is the day you discover it that you come to know the provision. But the provision has always been what? There. Are you following me here? There is no improvement in the spirit realm. It's in the natural realm there is improvement because it's in the natural realm that time governs things. The spirit realm is eternal and unchangeable. The natural realm, that's why it's called the things that are seen are temporal. The word temporal means subject to change. The eternal things are as they are. So you can't talk about an eternal thing as though it is improving every day. Do you get what I'm saying here? That's why you call into existence those things that be not as though they are. Because that is how they are. You are not lying. You are saying it as it is in the spirit realm. Are you following what I'm saying here? Now, that's why your confession, you can't make it public. Because they will laugh at you. So let us assume that God has said, let's just assume now, that you are relocated and you are going to California. And he showed you, you'll be the governor of California. Can you go and say that (laughs) to somebody and say, excuse me, I'm going to be governor. (laughs) They will laugh the faith out of you. Understand what I'm saying? You don't need to tell anybody what God has told you. Because Jesus manifested with nobody knowing. In fact, when the demon said, sir, he said, keep quiet. Didn't he say so? So this thing doesn't mean I am announcing to you. Many of times when people are just announcing, sometimes they are trying to just, actually they are trying to persuade themselves that what they are saying is as it is. All right? Or to try to manipulate God. That God, you know, I've told them all. Your reputation is at stake now. I've told them all. They will say that you failed. God, you know, I told them. I told them by this time next year, I'll be in Australia. I told God, the hell, I'm telling them. So to reckon is to regard it as being true in your life, what is not yet apparent. Now, reckoning, therefore, is based on facts, which means what the Spirit of God has shown you, because it is thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me say something that is conditional, and we have to say it and because that is how it is. And it's because we avoid saying it like this, that's why people struggle, because people will tell you that, you know, how do I get a rem? How do I know? Let me tell you how you know things. 
The definition of the word rema means, in Greek, this is how it's defined, a specific word that God gives to you in a specific situation, all right, at a specific time, condition, this is the definition, being the regular storage of your mind with scripture. The reason why people can't download anything is that they don't regularly store their minds with scripture. That is why people are saying, all right, I'm lost. They'll say this, I am lost because they'll tell you that, how do I get the scripture? So what happens to people is that they continue their lives, they don't read the Bible at all. When they get into a situation, then they'll come and say, okay, I need a rema. Then they'll just look at the scripture and try to find something and force it. That's where they have a problem. Now, once there's a regular storage of the mind with scripture, which means that every day you are reading your Bible, let's even say you read it for 30 minutes every day, once something happens and you start praying, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance something Jesus told you. As you are praying in the Spirit, it will not take long. Scriptures that you know that that will fit that situation will just be pulled out. That is the missing thing in what we're saying. So when, we, when they tell people, they say, go and look for a scripture, those who don't, are not students of the Bible. So what happens is just like saying that, you know, you are, you are not a student, you are not a lawyer. They now say it's time for court. You are now trying to find out what is inside the law of Nigeria that you go and... Do you know how many books you are going to read before you get to, to, to even know what is happening? They will have carried you back God. So if somebody that is a lawyer, all right, that regular reads it, that would just say, there's this law, there's this law, pulling those things out. That's why when they came to meet Peter and John, and they said, we're going to deal with you, immediately they just quoted Psalm 2, because there was a regular storage of that scripture in their minds. So I urge you, if you want to enjoy Christianity, follow the basic principle. Read your Bible. Read I'm telling you, or else the wound work. I'm telling you the truth. What's going to happen is that you'll be saying, uh, uh, they say we should find Rema. Uh, I, I found Rema. Uh, I, I found Rema. You, 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 you'll just be saying that. But if you read it every day, you read it, you read it. In fact, there's somebody I know who she tells her friends, I think someone was saying this one time, she comes to me, said, I have a friend that no matter the situation, tell her, just tell her, she'll pull out the scripture for you. In other words, because she regularly stores the scriptures into her mind. I'm telling you this. There is no experience of Christianity without reading the Bible. Just sit down and be reading the Bible. Because what God does is that he knows what is coming. So he will just lead you into scriptures that when that thing comes, he just pulls it out. You cannot start digging a foundation when the flood is coming. Are you, you understand what we're saying? So that knowing there means that once you start praying, that God showed me, as you are praying, he just picks it out and brings it. Look, I'm telling you that this is where the power of Christ is. Look, Larry Lee, he used to pastor a church in, in America in his, in, his, in his church. In his church. And, and I can tell you this, in his church, eh? Eh? His, his church. You see, listen. I can prepare messages. I can sit down and prepare a message. Huh? I say, okay, I want to go and preach. I want to come prepare a message. I can be praying, and the message just comes. Now, I came to preach for Covenant Connect on Sunday after I finished preaching there, because I was going to come here. It was between Igomo and here. I said, God, what should I say? Now, because there's regular storage of scripture, he just pulled the scriptures out of me. What I taught that day, what I taught that day here, huh? I've never taught it before in my life. I've had the knowledge of it, but I've never expressed it and taught it. He pulled it out. Now, Larry Lee said he went, and this is how he got, he understood prayer, that he went and was preaching. It was a crusade. He went to do a crusade. He preached first night, nobody responded. Preached second night, nobody responded. He said he was about to pack it up. When two nuns, Catholic nuns, came to meet him and said, can you help us? We saw you playing the guitar. Can you help us, you know, uh, what did you do to the strings? Um, tune them. 
He said, while he was tuning them, finally, they now said, we saw you that you preached twice and nothing really happened. He said, yeah. He said, well, we were praying for you for five hours. He said, do you know about the story about the five loaves and two fish there? He said, yes. He said, tonight, go and pray, preach about that. Just preach about it. We've prayed, and God said, that's the scripture you should use. He said, he got there and preached. 500 people responded to Christ. He said, when he finished, the next day, he was looking for the nuns. Now, where are you? They, he found them again. They told him what to preach. He went and preached again. He got the results. He said that was when God taught him about what? Prayer. There's a difference between trying to prepare a sermon and God pulling a sermon from your reservoir. Are you following what I'm saying here? You can't be empty completely. Oh, look, okay, it's like this. You don't read mathematics at all. So it's time for the exam. You now say, so what is this? They say, okay, uh, you put this over this. Eh, uh, eh. Uh. <laughs> Are you telling me that person can pass that exam? <laughs> Once that person gets there, and it's not exactly even the one that they taught them, they'll forget. But if it's not exact, they change it. It's the same principle that they'll just be blank. Are you following what I'm saying? A friend of mine, my classmate, was writing. I told him, I said, he wrote, he said, he said uh, some, somebody said something about general knowledge. He said, you know, it's all this motivational talk. He said, general knowledge is not important. That there are many things he learned in school that he doesn't apply now. So it was irrelevant information. All he needs is the information he will apply. I wanted to tell him. I told him, I said, listen, he now quoted one motivational book. I, I mean, it's what, you don't know what motivational speakers have done to people, okay? <laughs> Finish people totally. So I now said to him, I now put there, I said, listen, general knowledge, having vast general knowledge is important because what it does is that it increases your brain capacity. I said to him, I said, two-thirds of the authentic billionaires in the world are engineers. Not that they made the money in engineering, but because they studied engineering and from engi how many people are studying our engineers here? Uh, put, put up your problem now. Are you sure you're an engineer? The way you are putting this out, no, no. or you think there's a question on engineering? Are you asked what's on engineering answer? Now, because they studied engineering, there is a way engineers think about problem solving. Right? That they now apply to business and investments and because of that. I said, so, that is just like saying that uh, why I go to the gym, what I lift are weights. But when I'm at home, when I want to lift anything, it's not weights. So, lifting of weights doesn't help me in any way. You will know that if you are lifting 50 kg and you come and carry a bag of rice, it will be very easy to carry the bag of rice because you are lifting what? 50 kg. Because you exercise yourself in knowledge this way, when it's time to apply it in something else, it, do you get what I'm saying here? What they are teaching is that because they're not telling you to lift bag of rice and what you're going to do is lift bag of rice, so you should, all you should, how can you say that? So that general expanse there of it, where a person is studying the scriptures there, all right, creates that base for you at that particular point in time when you are praying to be able to pull out those scriptures. Now, when you pull out those scriptures, the second thing now is that you now want to reckon them to be so because what God will show you in your life is not how you look. Neither is it. Now, he has answered your prayer when he pulled those scriptures. Are you following what I'm saying there? Your, your prayers have been answered. The minute those scriptures are enlightened, your prayers have been answered. He has answered. Now, what he wants you to do is to take the answer now and then meditate on the answer to get a manifestation on the outside. So what you now have to now do is, he gives you the answer. He says, focus on that answer. Meditate upon that answer until, all right, the results come. So this reckoning is based on facts. God is committed to do what he has promised. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 in the NASB translation, please. Romans 6, 11. Even consider, in other words, the sin seems to, still seems to be alive. 
but consider yourselves dead unto sin and alive unto God. So consider yourself now. Count on that truth that is made known unto you. And this is where the confessions now start. Reckoning here is a form of confession. Confession is an affirmation of a truth that is revealed to you. It is testifying to things that you have seen or heard. To reckon is to meditate on the outcome of the promise as a fact or a present reality and experience in your life. In other words, while you are meditating, you are experiencing in your consciousness that which God has promised you. Meditation means I go into a zone in order to experience within what God has shown me is going to come to pass in my own life. It is that quiet place between my heart and the Holy Spirit as I take, and this is what it means to receive. You see, many of us believe many things, but we don't receive into our lives the things that we believe. So receive means that you now integrate it into yourself, all right, as a person. This is how my life is going to look, right, with this particular promise fulfilled inside my life. So you are meditating, all right, which means there is a reality in the realm of the spirit. There is my experience here. Right? So the Holy Spirit reveals truth in answer to prayer that I may reckon on it, which means to consider it as being true in my life in order to manifest it. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15. And so daily read the Bible, but when you get the scriptures there, enter into the place where you meditate on this. This is what Paul said, meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly unto them, that thy profiting may do what? Appear unto all. Now, look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. All right, we'll compare those two scriptures. Hebrews eleven three. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, which is the rhema, so that things that are seen were made out of things that do not do what? Appear. So these things are things, but they don't yet appear. When you meditate on the things that do not appear, they now do what? Appear. He didn't say the worlds were framed from nothing. He says the worlds were framed from things that don't do what? Appear. In other words, my voice is being carried now. All right, this is a wireless mic. It is being carried now. In the past, you had, you had, if I take this mic here, this mic has a wire here. So my voice is being carried by something that appears. Now my voice is being carried by something that doesn't appear but is in existence. Do you get what I'm saying here? So when you meditate on something that doesn't appear, it starts doing what? Appearing. So whatever you want to appear in your life, you must be meditating on it. Do you get what I say here? That's what it means to reckon. In other words, if you are meditating on your life as it is, then your life continues as it is. If you are meditating on the things that appear now, then the things that appear now become strongholds. Do you get what I'm saying? But if you meditate on things, now they have to be things. Do you get what I'm saying here? The reason why wireless mic work is that in science, they discovered that there are frequencies that things that don't appear but are in existence. So they use those things to carry them. Do you, you get what I'm saying here? When we're doing post office to send letters, we were sending them by things that appear. So you put it in post office, but it appears. A man appears, carries it. 
takes it to the plane and it appears. The plane carries it. So people believe that. When you send an email, it goes by things that don't do what? Appear. So the more man discovers the realm that is not apparent, the more they can advance things. Are you following what I'm saying? So what God wants to show us is the highest realm that doesn't appear, which is the spirit realm. Okay? Because, I mean, in science, they will tell you, all right, if you take a fan now, the, the three blades appear, all right? If you look at it and there's no power, the three blades appear. If you put power into it and it starts rolling, the more energy goes into the fan, the less visible it becomes. If that energy gets to a certain level, the fan will do what? It will no longer be what? Visible. That doesn't mean it's not in existence. That means it's on the energy level that your physical senses can't capture it. So the spirit realm is on a level that your physical senses cannot do what? Capture. So it says, meditate upon this thing. That's why the secret so spiritual giant is meditation. They find out things in the word of God, they start meditating on those things. That's why God told Joshua, Joshua said, how am I going to do this thing that Moses failed at? He said, this book of the law, Moses, depart on your mouth. But you shall do what? Meditate upon it day and night. He said, while you are meditating, you will discover how to do it. So, it's about that. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3. I bring you to a close. Hebrews 4, 2. It says here, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not do what? Profit them. Not being what? Mixed with faith in them that heard it. It says that your profiting may do what? Appear. So the word that they heard, we didn't see anything appear in their lives. From all the messages they got. This is why without meditation, we are wasting time. If you don't teach it, preaching. Because you can hold one back, spend millions, but the profiting in all that was heard will not appear unless there is what? Meditation. Uh, are you following what I'm saying? And the next thing we talk about, the last one is now, after you meditate, you yield. That means you, you yield yourself to God as though what you are seeing is now a reality. To God or not to men, to God. All right? I mean, I, I was telling another pastor that had a problem with their property. And I said to him, and this is part of what I'm saying, when the Holy Ghost leads so that you can't take glory. I told him, I said, look, when we're just here at church alone and lagoon, and the whole place was full, and what happens are cars. People will, be, people will literally go around three times because there's no parking space. They're trying to get parking. People are leaving. I said, well, we had to leave. I was trying to tell I said, look, look. I said, wherever you are going to. He said, look, the, the landlord said they should get out of the land. After all, the, I told him, I said, listen, listen. Where that place, you see, understand this. Don't panic. If I said he told a pastor, that one told him that, ah, God has blessed you. They told you to get out. He said, they gave me 24 hours. He said, look at where we are. I said, it's not that easy when they're telling you. I said, it's true, but what they're telling you is correct. All right? I said, look, what God has provided is always close but hidden. If you are meditating on your lack, you won't see it. Do you get what I'm saying here? Oga, don't meditate on this country as it appears. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? Write what I'm saying down. Write it up. Because in your generation, you will see many billionaires that will come out of this, this situation. Like, you hear what I'm saying? Though? If you meditate on it as it is, you'll miss it. Look, don't go and follow multitude. I'm sure. Hey, 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 hey. Look, anywhere you see head mentality is a demon that came in. Didn't you see when Jesus cast demons into this way? They all just rush. When everybody's rushing in one way, this, you know. 
Broad is the way that leads to them. Many, many. Whatever, wherever you find many people, don't enter. Are you following me here? Go and meditate. Listen to what I'm saying here. Meditate on the right stuff. That your listen. Okay, let me let me free you. Hmm? If you ever, if you if you say, Pastor, what you are saying is what you are saying. That's your problem. Me, it's one of those five countries I'm going. Okay, I take it. I agree. But think as a global citizen, not a localized person. Are you following what I'm saying? That's where everybody is going. Real people, the world is changing. Global, which means that your talent and your capacity is global. You can be in Barbados and be working from Barbados anywhere. Do you understand global citizenship? That's what I'm working towards. Located in Lagos, I'm not going anywhere because God has shown me in scripture the apostles must stay in Jerusalem. Abi? Uh-huh. So I'm not going. But, but as I am now, you should have seen my office in Canada. You've seen the office. <laughs> I was telling that I want to go and prepare there for Wafbeck because it's very quiet. They are saying, uh, I want to go and enjoy it. But can't you see how they just, I'll just be alone. Winter snow will be coming. <laughs> I'm not going. I said that. <laughs> I've told you the scripture. I can't break the scripture now. All right? But you can be there. You can be in, in Glasgow. I'm having coffee on the top of the something. And having global communion service. You even know where I am. <laughs> uh, are you following what I'm saying here? Yes. But you are located where? Here. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, that means that you're a global city, not that you look and restrict you to some provinces somewhere. We're saying, go, come, go, come. We're saying, go, come, go, come. Till you are 55. Oh, don't, don't think like that, though. Are you following what I'm saying here? And throw you inside one place in UK. It's almost like a village. You'll be, you'll be, no, it's even London. You'll be drinking milk with the milkman till, till you agree. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying here? Yes, well, even if you are there, the country says, we need this person. You say, I'm coming consultancy for three weeks. Brazil says, we need you. Do you get what I'm saying here? Yes, you think like that. Not, uh, uh, my sofa head is over in that place. Now, and then, over there. Because, let me be honest with you. Let me be honest with you. One year, two years, easily becomes 25. Are you from there? You just see yourself. Old. Say, what happened? <laughs> you love your old, what happened? Life has, 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 has gone. Uh, you, you get what I'm saying here? So, so you have to, I mean, I've said the Caribbean, they, they had 75 years. And life, they, they don't be saying seasons, that's how it happens. That's one, 75 years of Caribbeans coming to UK. They say, how long did you plan to stay? He said, five years. I was to make money in UK and go back. The UK people are no fools. You will never make that money to go back. It will be change left. Just small change. I used to buy Max and Spencer clothes. That's all. <laughs> small, small change. Ah, well, woman is smart, too. <laughs> so they tie you down. Uh, do you get what I'm saying here? So you have to consciously, deliberately, all right, sometimes work almost 18 hours for the first five years to develop the kind of skill. Do you get what I'm saying because I know some of you, no matter what you say, you are going. So you walk 18, I'm saying here, and carry the burden in your youth when you have energy. Do you get what I'm saying? When you can run around, run, 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 run. If you are not yet married, don't go and quickly marry. Are you hear what I'm saying? 
So you can run, 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 run. Five years of running, reading, studying, pouring in oil, pouring water, you say, put your leg inside water. You crack everything. Then you enter into a zone. Then you can calm down. You get what I'm saying? So go and spy the land. I'm just advising you. Ask, which certifications are they getting job? Don't just go there. What are they getting? Sit down in Nigeria and do the exam. Collect it. Ask again, which other one? Are they employing people? Are you following what I'm saying here? Don't go and do a master's in the course they do employ you. They will use you to do research. There is no job after that. All right, God bless you.